it's oftentimes uh, uh, interesting to see how um, when, when a group of people gather together in community, and we oftentimes call this church, how there's impacts, there's things that we can do that on our own uh, we never could do. And there's something beautiful about this whole idea of, of the big C church, this idea that that, that, that maybe there's other churches that are down the road, there are other churches in other states and other cities and other countries, but we're all on the same mission. And in reality, we're supposed to be all on the same team. And again, because of the generosity of, of many of you, uh, we get to do some amazing things. We get to help uh, support missions like Nadej that are, that are helping to build a safe house in Haiti. We get the chance to help uh, support a, a couple named Alejandro and Carmen de Francisco who are starting the Church of God uh, in Spain. Uh, we get to help out by uh, making things like Bridges Outreach happen in our community, Kokomo River and Outreach. There's so many amazing things that we get the opportunity to. And again, sometimes a small gift ourselves may not seem a lot, but when it's put together uh, and there's some spirit of God behind it, there's really cool things that happen. One of the things that you may or may not know that, that, that we've been trying to do as a, for a while as a church, um, but we're trying to make a larger emphasis, is this idea of what does it look like to come alongside those who have felt the call of God to go and start a new church. You know, statistically, um, new churches tend to reach people who aren't connected to a church, aren't connected to Christ, at a, a quicker rate than existing churches. And I'm not going to talk about why, but there just seems to be a correlation to that. There also seems to be a correlation throughout the New Testament where God would call someone and they would be sent and they would go a place. And so part of, of our core values, again, we've been talking about this series called Movement, are gather, grow, give, and go. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to talk about what does it look like to go, but here's the good news. I'm not speaking this morning, which we can celebrate, right? Like, praise God. I'm actually kind of impressed. You guys didn't clap. That actually kind of makes me feel low-key really good. Um, but no, for real, we, we have a new ministry partner that I'm so excited about who is going to come, and he's going to share about what does it look like uh, to go, and what, what has God been calling him and his family um, to do. So... Um, I would love for you guys to welcome my friend Josh Wagner up here as he's going to open up God's word for us. Thank you so much, Pastor Aaron, my man. So good to be with you guys today. It is such a pleasure to get to hang out. I've got my bride, Nani, with me down front. Our kiddos are in your kids' ministry. I'll show you a picture of them in just a second. As we get started, I just want to take a second to say uh, thank you so much for allowing me to come and speak. Thank you for giving me your attention for the next little while. But I also want to say that I've had the pleasure of getting to know your pastor and friends of South Creek. You have a great pastor. You really do. Would you, would you just thank the Lord for him? You know, one of the things we see in Scripture is that you ought to treat your pastor and give your pastor double honor. And the reason that the Scripture says that is that your pastor is looking out for you like a shepherd watches out for the sheep. Or think about this, like a commander is looking out for his soldiers. That is what your pastor does as he is looking out for you. And it says this, that he will have to give an account... One day, for how he led this congregation and all of you right here. So, I also want to say, this is what the scripture says. So make it easy on your pastor, okay? Uh, And from all I can hear, all I do hear from 
Pastor Aaron is that he loves this community of Kokomo. He loves this church. He loves each one of you. And he loves the direction that the Lord is leading this congregation. And so you are blessed. You are blessed. So yes, I have my bride Nana here. Would you mind popping up the picture of our family? We've got four kiddos. Alright, so we got the, our oldest is Blaze, right in the middle, Blaisdell. He's almost six. Our little girl is Rasika. She's almost four. Uh, Zeph in that green shirt is two. And our little baby, Athen, is about almost four months. So our lives are crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. We're moving from Fishers, Indiana down to Indianapolis next Saturday. Pray for us. Uh, I'm finishing up seminary. We had a new baby and we're starting a church. There's a word for that. It's crazy. It is crazy. And yet the Lord has brought so many of these really cool uh, pieces together and, and made it clear that the time is now for us to start this church. So my bride, Nani, and I, we've been married for almost 11 years. This June will be 11 years. We've been living the multi-ethnic life. Her dad's from Sri Lanka, just south of India. If you've ever seen the little teardrop south of India, that is an island called Sri Lanka. Her dad's from there. And so we have been enjoying the multi-ethnic life and making curry for each other. I've enjoyed getting to know uh, the Sri Lankan culture. Uh, it is such a blessing. I'll be talking about that in just a second. And uh, We spent time up in Chicago. That's where I'm originally from, is near Chicago. She's from Springfield, Illinois. Uh, we are also, our history is in the Church of God. This is South Creek Church of God. Our history and our heritage is Church of God. Then we got married and moved down to Wichita, Kansas. Okay? And then the Lord brought us back. Brought us back to the Midwest, which we love so much. So about three and a half years ago, we came back home. Uh, and we've been loving Indiana so much. I've been a worship pastor for just about ten years and just transitioned January 1st to full-time church planting. So that's a little bit about our family. And we've received really uh, the call of God on our lives to plant a church it started as an idea about five years ago. As some friends and I, we were gathering together. This is when we were in Kansas, and we were talking about planting a church in Omaha, Nebraska. And I'm really thankful the Lord didn't call us there. But he, we felt like uh, we were ready to plant a church, and the doors closed, and it didn't work out. And I was really heartbroken. I was ready to, I was ready to plant a congregation. We came up here to Indiana, and about three years ago, the idea popped back into my mind, like... Maybe we're supposed to plant a church. And in conversations with one of my best friends, his name's Luigi, he's from Colombia, we started to dream about what it would look like to plant a multi-ethnic church in the city of Indianapolis, to be a blessing to the city of Indianapolis, to come in, to serve the city, and to represent the diversity that we believe that God values. So first, you, you may be wondering, like, okay, why plant another church? And Aaron hinted at it. Uh, you may say, man, aren't there a ton of churches in Indianapolis? Aren't there churches all over? Why do we need more? Why don't we just go and revitalize the churches that are there? That's a great question. That's a question we get often. And here's the deal. Research shows over and over and over again that the number one best evangelistic tool known to humans is planting new churches. Planting new churches connects more people to Jesus than any other, than any crusade that you do, than any other kind of outreach program. Planting churches connects more people to Jesus. And it's kind of simple, really. If we don't connect 
with unchurched people, people from God, we won't exist. We won't exist. So if we don't actually connect with people who are far from Jesus in the community, serve the community, to innovate on how we, we reach people for Jesus, we will not exist beyond about two, maybe two years when all the money runs out. So for us, when we start a new work, we have to be in the community. So the stats are somewhere from like 60 to 70, 70% of all the church growth in church plants and new churches are from people who previously not had a relationship with Jesus. They've been de-churched or unchurched. So 60 to 80%, it kind of, it varies. Now on the flip side, for established churches, it's somewhere around the 20 to 30%, sometimes lower, maybe a little higher at some times. And, and what tends to happen? And I want to say, I want to say this. It's a really great thing for South Creek to partner with church plants. And here's, here, I'll tell you why. Because what also happens is that it helps established churches innovate and go, oh my word, we have been inward focused for too long. We need to be thinking outside our walls. So the, the normal route of churches who've been around 10, 15, 20 years or longer is that at some point, churches begin to look inward and they start making sure that the members are taken care of and that everything is about what happens here and that we are all good. But when churches like South Creek partner with church plants, they go, oh man, that evangelistic fire that we used to have when the church started, when this church started, without a doubt, there was evangelistic fervor. Man, we have to connect with people who are far from Jesus. We have to. Well, when you partner with church plants, you go, man, that's right. That is why we exist. We exist to, to connect people who are far from God back to a relationship with Jesus. That's why you are here. That's why you're here, South Creek, to help connect people to Jesus. So it is a good thing for established churches to have church plants come alongside of them. It reminds them, man, that is our mission. So we're planting a church, connecting people far from Jesus, but we're, we don't want to just plant a church, uh, for white people. Our heart is to really connect with people of diverse backgrounds, specifically of ethnicities. And there are some really strong foundational reasons in Scripture that we see this. First, obviously, we're a multi-ethnic family. So we've seen the value of what it looks like when you bring cultures together and how you are actually better when you are different. And so one of the phrases that we use often is unity in diversity. We're not looking for uniformity. We are looking for unity and diversity. That, and that's really a, that happens when the gospel of Jesus is lived out in our lives. That we can have unity even though we see diversity amongst ourselves. And here's, here's the stat on that. For evangelical churches like ourselves, like what you are and what we will be, 95% of our churches are homogenous. Or the not-so-nice way of saying it is 95% of our churches are segregated. So only 5% of our churches are what researchers call multi-ethnic. And that essentially means that 80%, 80% is of one ethnicity and 20% is made up of different ethnicities. That's what it means to be a multi-ethnic church in research. So our heart is saying, if we could start a church in Indianapolis to connect people who are far from God and to do it in a way that values unity and diversity, bringing all the people groups together. How cool would that be? 
Wouldn't that be a, wouldn't that be a snapshot of what heaven is like? And here's what we see when we look at Revelation chapter 7. It says this, that every nation, tribe, and tongue are worshiping together. So hear that. Every nation, tribe, and tongue. And you know what that means? That in heaven, our language doesn't change. Our ethnicity, our skin color doesn't change. I mean, think about this. This kind of blew my mind. I was thinking about this recently. Uh, one of my professors in seminary was talking about this. Jesus, he's still Jewish in heaven right now. He didn't switch to some kind of uh, like transparent spirit. No, he is physically in heaven right now. And he is still Jewish. He still has olive color skin. That's what Jesus, right now. So if our future, if heaven will look like every nation, tribe, and tongue can worship together. That's where we're going. We call this, this phrase is kingdom trajectory. The trajectory of the kingdom. If that's where we're going, then we thought, what if we could create that now? What if we could create a community right now that looks like where we are going? And so that's really been on our hearts. To bring diverse people together. And here's a phrase that I've used a lot and I, I really like. It is this. We want to give a credible witness in an increasingly diverse and cynical world. Friends, I don't know if, if you've noticed, but... Christians, we don't have the best reputation. You know that? Now, in some ways, we've got a, we've got a great reputation because we outgive every other kind of people group in the world. Right? When it comes to missions, we outgive everyone. But we don't have a really great reputation. Some of that is unfair, but some of that we've actually earned. So people are looking to Christians who say, that Jesus brings unity, that He, that our faith is about love, people are looking for a credible witness. And when we see Charlottesville take place, I'm sure you've seen that on the news, Charlottesville, when we see these two African-American dudes get arrested in Starbucks that was just on the news, you know what people are saying? Even though they, they're not physically saying it, but they're thinking it. Is anyone going to give an example of how to have unity and diversity and to show love. And if anyone should be able to do it, you know who it is? It's us. It's us. We are the ones who should be giving a credible witness of the good news of Jesus Christ. We are. So we see where we're going. That's the kingdom trajectory. And here's this really fascinating, if you've ever read John 17, this fascinating prayer. It's called Jesus' High Priestly Prayer. And in this prayer, you should, you should read it. Some, it is about the best passage in all of Scripture. Really, it is, in, in my opinion. As you read it, Jesus prays for, he prays for his disciples. So Peter, James, John, you know, whatever, Matthew. All, he prays for those guys. And then he prays for you and me. He prays for all of us. And you know what he prays? He prays that we would have unity. And you know what the result of our unity would be? This is what Jesus says. He says this. The result of your unity is that the people who are watching will know that you, Father, have sent me. So, so catch that. You know, you know how people will know 
that the Father, Father God has sent Jesus, you know how they will know? This is what Jesus said. He said, if we have unity over here, if we have unity, people who are watching us as followers of Jesus Christ, you know what will happen? They will say, we know that the Father sent the Son. That's insane. And unfortunately, we've missed that, haven't we? And so today's message is not just about unity and diversity. It's really about us going. It's about us crossing the boundaries that would make us uncomfortable. And actually serving in the community and loving the community. And, and here's the foundation for everything that we do. Here's the foundation of going. It's in Matthew 22. Jesus is teaching. He just uh, showed that the Sadducees, uh, that he is boss. And so the Pharisees said, man, we're going to come and we're going to try to trick Jesus. Now, I want to say that's never happened. So uh, they're, they're fighting a losing battle there. But here's, here's what happened in, in ancient Near East cultures and, and generally just Eastern culture. If a person comes to someone else in public and asks a question, that is a confrontation. That's a showdown right there. Okay, So whenever you read scripture and you see the Pharisees asking questions, that's a showdown. Which is also why Nicodemus, if you know this, and he's a guy named Nicodemus, he's a Pharisee, he goes to Jesus at night and he asks all these questions in private. Okay, So you don't ask questions in public because that is, that is a battle right there. But of course, this is what the Pharisees do. So they ask Jesus this question. Here's the, here's the text, Matthew 22. It says this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, you probably know these words. This is what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You probably heard this. This is called uh, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I want to say this, friends, when we are talking about going, I love that uh, you are focused on going as a church. That's one of your values. Here's the deal. Here's what happens with most churches. They say this, gather, grow, and stay. That's what most churches do. Gather everyone together, let's grow them up, and you stay right here. And stay right in this building. And instead, one of your core values is to go. And I want to say this, the starting place for going is love. The starting place for going is love. Love first for God and love next for people. Love for human beings. That is why we go, because we love people. And here's the deal. We see Jesus command us to love people. And in just a second, he's going to command us to go. But before we get to Jesus' words, I want to take us way, way back to the first go that we see. Okay, This is back in Genesis chapter 12 with a guy named Abraham. 
Abraham is the great patriarch of the Jewish nation, of the Israelites. You might, if you grew up in church, you sang a song, it went like this, Father, that's right, had many sons, and you remember the whole thing, right? We are very churched, aren't we? We know all these words. Father Abraham, so he's the great patriarch. Well, here's what, here's what was going on. Abraham is hanging out with his dad and his family in this place called Haran. And God comes to him and he tells him something, which we'll read in just a second. And then he blesses and prophesies over Abraham. Okay, so let's read this from Genesis chapter 12. This is what it says. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. So catch that? The first thing he says is, go. And then this is his prophecy over, his name was Abram at the time, later changed to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever you curse, I will curse. Or whoever curses you, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be cursing anyone by the way. Alright, so let's just like, rerun. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth, check this out, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Then it says this, so Abram went as the Lord told him. So Abram went. God says, go. He pronounces, whoops, sorry, pronounces this blessing and this prophecy over him. And Abram actually went. You know what it says in the New Testament about Abram? It says this, this is the Apostle Paul. It says, Abraham believed God. He believed Him. He went. And that was counted to him as righteousness. Basically, him and God were now good. They were good. Because God, because Abraham believed God. So that's the first command to go. I'm going to be touching on that in the blessing, so kind of keep that in your mind. And then the what could be called the last command to go is from our Savior Jesus. And this is what he says in Matthew 28. He's gathering all the disciples together. They're up on this mountain. And here's what he says. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. But when he saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Back here. God commands Abram to go, and now He commands all of us, if we have embraced Christ, to go, to make disciples, and to baptize people. When we say baptize, that means they're now part of the bride of Christ. They're now part of the family of God. Make disciples, make Christ followers, and bring them into the family of God. That's what He says. So first is, the starting place of all of this going is love. Love for God, love for people. And here's what I want to catch. Here's what I want you to catch. God says to Abram, I love this. 
all of the nations, all the peoples will be blessed through you. And that was actually a prophecy about someone else who's been a kind of a big deal in Scripture named Jesus. It's actually a prophecy about Jesus that through Abram, you follow the line, all of a sudden a great descendant is named Jesus who's born. And he is a blessing to all the nations. And here's the deal, friends. If you have embraced Christ, you have this blessing. You've received this blessing. See, the greatest blessing... Here, uh, check it out. The greatest blessing is not that your sins are forgiven. That your debt's paid. That's not the greatest blessing. The greatest blessing is that you have a relationship with Jesus. That's the greatest blessing. It's not just someone paid your debt. No, they actually brought you into their family. And here's, here's, here's how it works. Once you've received this blessing... You've received the prophecy that God gave Abram. Now we are to go and be a blessing. We are to go and be a blessing. And here's the deal. It's like every relationship, right? God is not telling us to go and we're like, man, I guess I'll follow this because I have to follow it. We go because we love God. And like in every relationship, your spouse asks you to do something. Well, at some point, if you just say, no, I'm not going to do it, that's going to put some distance between you, isn't it? And for some of us in this room, we may have distance between us and Jesus. And part of that distance is because we have not gone. We have not obeyed him and followed him. When he said go, he said, man, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And you know what? Our, our, our relationship with Jesus is like any other relationship. When we just disregard what he says, it puts distance between us. And so today I want to give us three ways to go. So go to be, go to share, and go to make. So the first is go to be a blessing. You have received the blessing. You have a relationship with Jesus. Go and be a blessing. And we see this. What does it actually mean to be a blessing to someone? It means make their life better. The ultimate blessing, of course, is that they would meet Jesus. But you have received Jesus. Go and make people's lives better. And this starts, my friends, it's pretty simple in a lot of ways. Go and be a blessing to your neighbors. What would it look like if you were a real blessing, if you made the lives better of your neighbors? What would it look like? Just think of, if you can, take, take just a second. Think of a neighbor who's right next to you. How can you make their lives better? How can you be a blessing to them? Go to be a blessing. The next thing is this. Go to share your life. See, people don't want us to treat them like projects. Okay, so people who are far from Jesus, they don't want us to come in and treat them like, man, you are my project and I'm going to get you saved. Nobody wants that. There's like, there's this old adage which you've heard, and I don't really like using cliches, but sometimes they're just so true. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you I mean, it's cliche. I hate saying cliches, but it's actually true. People really don't care how much you know about Jesus unless you actually care for people. So go and share your life. Invite them into your life. You know, one of the cool things is we're starting a church. 
we've had some opportunities to connect with people that, and to talk about something that we may not normally talk about. And so, uh, my bride, Nadi, we've got this play place in Fishers, and it's a church, which is a really cool area for all the kids in the city to come and just hang out and play. Well, uh, even though we have four kids, my brave wife took them all to this play place. And there happened to be no open seats, no benches that didn't have anyone on them. Everyone had at least one parent. And so Nani thought, well, I'm going to go just sit by this African-American gentleman and strike up a conversation. So she goes and she starts talking to, his name's Michael, starts talking to Michael and uh, getting to know some of his story and says, Michael, we're starting this church called United City Church. Are you connected with the church at all? And he said, man, I used to go a long, long time ago. My wife is agnostic, but man, it's been a long time. And they keep having a conversation. And she gets his card. He works at Sam's. She gets his card. And I'm at the library working. And we had previously planned on meeting at Chick-fil-A, Nani and I, and the kiddos. So she calls me and says, man, I just got, I, I just met this guy, Michael. It's a really cool conversation with him. Um, he's... Uh, doesn't have really an unchurched church background like many, many years ago. And I said you'd give him a call. I said, okay, cool, whatever. Uh, so I, so she called me and then we drove and met at Chick-fil-A. And guess who was there? Michael was there. And we sit down and he's like, Josh, Michael's like right over there. I'm like, what? Like, did you invite him or something? No, he just showed up. So I walk over. Michael, what's up, man? Great to meet you. Nani told me about you. And he, he was blown away. And here's what's cool. I've sat down and had breakfast with Michael. Uh, and he said, here's the thing. I've never gone to that play place before. Never gone to it. I just thought, well, let's just, let's go there. He said, I wasn't even planning on going to Chick-fil-A. I just drove up Cumberland and we just kind of arrived there. And here you are. And guess what? You know, out of all of the kids, all the kids in the play place, do you know who my kids were playing with? Michael's daughter. So here's, here's the point. Be a blessing, but then also invite them into our lives. You said, Michael, we'd love to have you a part of our church. Here's our group. We want you in our lives, is what we've said to him. And he's been blown away. I, this is not to make me look good. I bought his breakfast I'm telling you, I have not seen someone who's been so blown away. He's like, oh my word, for real? Like, I'm thinking, that's not that big of a deal, man. Yeah, but for him. So that's just, go out and be a blessing to someone. But invite them into your life to share your story and your life with someone. Also, our neighbors, a few doors down at our house in Fishers, this really cool family, Indian family. She's from Delhi, he's from Calcutta. And we randomly ran into him a while back. I was walk, I was actually running. You wouldn't believe it, but I'm a runner. And no one believes it. I've ran a couple half marathons. I know. I know. I don't look like it. So I was out running and I was coming back and I ran into Arnob and we just started having a conversation. And then uh, a couple weeks later, Nani's out at the playground and she has a conversation with Shweta and they have a little girl named Yana. And we'd been talking. It was like, man... We have to get them over to our home. We had them over to our home. We made curry. He, Arnab couldn't believe it. He's like, this is the taste of home. This, I'm home. Which was so cool. They had us over. Uh, then uh, they invited us into the Diwali party. Uh, so I'm the only white dude hanging out with all these Indians, celebrating Diwali, telling you the food was awesome. 
So as you invite people, as you go to people and you invite them into your life, you share your life with them, guess what? They share their lives with you. And while I'm hanging out at this Diwali party, the only white dude, these Indians are saying, like, okay, we've, what's the difference between Baptist and Methodist? What's, what are all these differences? They have no, they have no Christians to ask that to. Isn't that interesting? No Christians asked that to, so I'm getting to share. And then I'm sharing, yeah, we're actually starting a church in the city. And I had this other Indian dude who said, man, I want to, his name is, well, he goes by Roy. Uh, no, none of us know how to say these Indian names, you know, so let's just go Roy and Mike and, you know. So he goes by Roy and Roy's asking me some questions about the church that we're starting. And I'm saying, man, our heart is to be a blessing to the city, to be in the city, to serve the city. That's what we are about. And he said, you know what's crazy? In India, all the Hindu temples, people get, pour all this money in, into these Hindu temples and they do nothing for the people. I want to be a part of something that's actually doing something for the people of Indianapolis. So simple conversation with my neighbor invite them into our lives, say, let's actually, let's do something together. They in turn say, man, we want you in our lives. They invite us over in this friendship, and now we're connected to the Indian community in Indianapolis. Arnab's helping us move on Saturday. So there's been a great bond in our friendship. Go to people. Be a blessing to them. Invite them into your lives. Invite them to share your life with you. Remember, people don't want to be a project. They, they are looking to be loved. Your motivation, of course, is love for God and love for people. And then finally, it's this. Go and make Christ followers. Go and make Christ followers. But here's the deal. It's not that we're going to try to convert people. We are going to help people meet the greatest blessing that we've ever received, and that's Jesus. That's what we're doing. And so instead of just trying to measure now how many conversions, I got to get these conversions, I got to get them to cross the line of faith. What if instead you just measured spiritual conversations that you had with people? What if you measured spiritual conversations? So as you interact with your neighbors, you're a blessing to them, you invite them into your life, and you just have natural spiritual conversations. And you measure those kind of conversations. Like, man, I've been having spiritual conversations. Because here's the deal. Most people are not ready to cross the line of faith like that. It takes quite a while as they're working through all sorts of things before they go, okay, I think I believe this. So measure the spiritual conversations that you have. For us, it is all about bringing the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what it is. It's news. Okay, It's news. That's that's how we should read it. This is good news. And the Apostle Paul says, how are people supposed to know if they never hear? And how are they supposed to hear if they've never had anyone sent to them? And so he sets this up. And then there's this really cool phrase from Isaiah. It said, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. And as you interact with people, you bless them, you make their lives better, you invite them to share your life, and you have spiritual conversations, and you're sharing the news. You're sharing the news. And here's the thing, man. For a lot of people, the good news that we supposedly have sounds a whole lot like bad news. Because we have not embodied it by living lives that are good lives. And I think in my own life, there's a few barriers when I say, man, why have I not gone? Why would I not go? And I think fundamentally, sometimes it's 
Because, man, do I really love those people? Do I really love those people that I am called? When I say those people, that makes it, even that phrase is not very good. Do I really love my neighbors? Do I really love them? Do I really love my coworkers? I'm a pastor. Do I love my coworkers? They're already Christians. Whatever about them, right? Uh, but do it for, for, for the rest of us. Do you really love your coworkers? But then the other thing is, man, we can be so self-focused and self-centered, can't we? It's like, man, get home, get in my garage, get in my house, watch Netflix. And we are so self-focused and self-centered. And so part of it, that's one of the reasons we don't go. Part of it is to say, man, let me just lift up my eyes and say, Lord, help me see the people you want me to see. And the other thing is, man, sometimes we're just straight up, we're, we're kind of scared to go, aren't we? Isn't that true? Isn't that true that sometimes we're just like, man, I've got some fear about going and really connecting with them. Man, what if they reject me? And so some, uh, some of us have to deal with that. Even as a pastor, I go, man, there's still a little bit of my gut that's like, oh, there's still a little bit of fear. Man, and if we remember our identity is in Jesus, and Jesus is the creator, and we are secure, and nothing that anyone could do could ever harm us, that we are protected by God, it starts to overcome the fear that we have. And so I don't know what it looks like for, for you at South Creek. I don't know the specifics. But I want to say this. It starts with love. Loving God enough to say, I will obey what you have told me to do. And then, and then it's loving people. Loving people enough to go to be a blessing. Loving people enough to invite them into your life. Loving people enough to share the good news of Jesus so that other people would have the greatest blessing ever, which is meeting Jesus. So friends, I want you to take just a couple of seconds. I want you to say, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to say, Spirit of God, would you just show me where you want me to go? Take a couple of seconds and then I'll pray. Jesus, you are our greatest gift. You are our greatest blessing. You are our greatest friend. And we speak today that we love you and we want to follow your words and your commands. Father, we also come today and we confess that we have not loved our neighbors like we ought to. We come and we confess that we have been self-centered and self-focused. We confess that we have been fearful And that we have not followed your command to love people, to bless people, and to share the good news of Jesus. And so we repent of that and we ask that by your grace, we know that by your grace, you do forgive us, you bring us new life. And we pray, and I pray right over this place today, that South Creek Church and every person who is a part of this congregation would be filled and lit with a fire, a passion for your name, Jesus, and that they would go into this community of Kokomo, that they would go and spread out through the surrounding 
counties and cities, that they would go into their neighborhoods, that they would bring the good news of Jesus, that they would be the good news of Jesus, and they would embody it, and that such incredible stories would happen when they go into this community. So thankful for each person who's here. So thankful that you are our Savior. We love you so much, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen.